time. But John 5, we'll be down in verse 30 is where we're going to start. Jesus has a long, uh, kind of a long passage here where he's talking to the Jews, and I just want to take a section of it uh, and look at it tonight. So John 5.30 says this, I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. There is another that beareth witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnesseth of me is true. Ye sent unto John, and he bear witness unto the truth. But I receive not testimony from man, but these things I say that ye might be saved. He was a burning and a shining light, and ye were willing for a season to rejoice in his light. But I have greater witness than that of John. For the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do bear witness of me, that the Father hath sent me. And the Father himself which hath sent me hath borne witness of me. Ye have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his shape. And ye have not his word abiding in you, for whom ye... Uh, he has sent him ye believe not. Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of yeah. me. Let's go to yeah. the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for uh, allowing us to come in and worship one more time. Lord, I pray that you'd use me. Lord, that you would make uh, this passage plain to us. Lord, it's a little tricky, and Lord, but I, I pray that the Holy Spirit teaches us tonight, uh, and we draw a little closer to you. And Lord, we thank you for the truth in your word. In Jesus' name we pray, and amen. So John chapter 5, the whole chapter takes place in Jerusalem, uh, and it begins with Jesus walking by the pool of Bethesda, uh, and he, he stops at an impotent man uh, who was waiting, remember, for that season for the angel to trouble the water, and the first one that would get in would get healing, uh, and every time they'd bring, somebody would bring him, but as soon as he would go to get into the water, someone would get him before him, uh, but that day, instead of an angel troubling the water, he met God. He met Jesus Christ, uh, and uh, uh, so he Jesus ends up healing the man uh, and uh, told him to take up his bed and to head home, uh, and the Jews were angry at that because he was carrying his bed on the Sabbath day, and really what the Jews should have been doing is praising God that this man who had whatever infirmity he had that kept him from really getting around, uh, was he had that for 38 years, and, uh, and uh, so many times he had come to that pool who knows how many times he tried, but it sounds like over and over again, uh, and it failed, but all it took was one time yeah. running into yeah. Jesus Christ, and he found healing. But they were mad because he was breaking one of their Sabbath laws, uh, and when they realized it was Jesus that healed the man, when they figured out it was him, they wanted to kill him. And Jesus said in John, uh, in this chapter, verse 17, my father worketh here too, and I work. So he was saying, hey, uh, God doesn't take a day off. He doesn't take Sundays off. Praise God, he's here with us today. He's not sleeping. He's here with us. And, and Jesus was saying, uh, God the Father doesn't work, take a day off, and neither does God the Son. He's saying, I'm not taking, I am working on the Sabbath as well. And he was equating himself, making himself equal with God, which is in the next verse so they they wanted to kill him even more now that he's making himself equal with God and he's telling them uh, the authority from which the father had sent him that's kind of the next section of verses and then finally when we get to our passage in verse 30 instead of 
uh, he shifts gears from talking about the authority and now he's talking about the witness. So we see now he is saying uh, this is the witness that Jesus was God. He's going to bring forth some witnesses. He's going to bring some proof that Jesus is equal with God and that's why he was able to heal on the Sabbath and not and work and everything else and not break any of the laws or anything. But verse 30, it sounds a little strange. It says this, I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. So uh, Jesus is after, he's just said that he's equal with God, uh, and he, but he's also making sure they understand in this first verse that he's also a man. You know, he's fully God and fully man at this point in his earthly ministry. That's why he says, I can of my own self do nothing. He's saying, hey, uh, I am a man as well as God. And as a man, I can't do anything without God the Father. Amen. And that's the right. same with us. As, as, as men and women, we can't do anything without God. Uh, and then he talks about the Father's will. And Jesus perfectly followed the Father's will. Uh, and you think about it. Before this time when Jesus came on the earth, God was never obedient to anybody. He's supreme. He's omnipotent. Uh, he doesn't answer to anybody. But Jesus lived a life of obedience on this earth. He did what we could not do and did it in our place. And we see even as a young boy, Jesus, after that trip to the temple where he stayed, it said Jesus was subject to his mother and Joseph. And so he was obedient through not just his parents, but his entire life. He's, he was obedient to God the Father's will. And see, he wasn't, uh, the Jews didn't believe that he was God. And, and they, they could have believed that he was, they believed he was a man and they could have said, well, he's a pretty good man, right? He follows a lot of rules, not the, all the ones we want him to. Uh, but here, I believe Jesus is clearing up. He cleared that up with the Jews saying, I'm God. And I think Jesus is making this statement for later on down the road when people say he's God, but he was never man. Which is silly, because how could he die on the cross if he was never man? But anyway, he's clearing that up. But then verse 31, if I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. And see, this is another strange verse, another strange statement. And really what he's saying is Jesus is saying, I can't be a witness of myself in a court trial, I can't, I can't be my own witness. Uh, you know, he could, he could testify, but it would take at least two or three witnesses uh, to establish a truth or a fact. And just Jesus saying it, he's telling them, I understand uh, that if I'm going to prove it to you, it's not enough that I just tell you. So what Jesus starts to do after this is he calls some witnesses. He calls some witnesses to show them to prove that he is God. The first witness he calls is John the Baptist. And there in verse 32, there's another that beareth witness of me. And I know that the witness which he witnesseth of me is true. Ye sent unto John and he bear witness unto the truth. And he calls the first witness, John the Baptist. And he reminds them, he said, hey, all the way back, you go to chapter one, verse 19. Uh, the Jews had sent a delegation to John the Baptist. And they asked John the Baptist this question, who art thou? 
Are you a prophet? Are you Elijah come back from the dead? Who are you? Are you the Messiah? He said, I'm not the Christ. But he said this, John 1, 29, the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. So there's John the Baptist. He His ministry was in public, and he plainly declared that Jesus was, was God. What did he say? He said, this is the forerunner. This, uh, or I'm the forerunner to the Messiah. And here he is. And he said, hey, even though I came first to be a witness, he said he was before me, right? He said he was God. And there he is, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And Jesus said, I know the witness that John spake, that one that he gave, that witness of me is true. And see, Jesus didn't correct John. If John was lying when he said, behold, the Lamb of God, Jesus would have said, hold on, wait a second, that's not me. But he never corrected it. He said that he allowed him to call him that and everything else. But then in verse 35 or 34 and 35, it gets a little strange again. Jesus says, but I receive not testimony from man, but these things I say that ye might be saved. He was a burning and a shining light and ye were willing for a season to rejoice in his light. See, Jesus said, but I receive not testimony from man. And what Jesus was saying right here, I don't need any man's testimony to prove that I'm God. That's what he's saying. I don't need a man to testify on my behalf. But John the Baptist's testimony was enough for you to believe it and get saved. That's what he's telling them right there. If you would have listened to what he said. If you would have taken it by faith and would have believed that I am the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world, if you would have put your trust in me, you would have found salvation. This, you would have found eternal life, which you keep looking for in religion and everyone else. And at first they believed it until they didn't like it anymore. But one of the great things about John the Baptist, before he was murdered uh, by Herod, many believed in Jesus because of him. He turned many to Jesus Christ, but... Jesus is going to call another witness to the stand. In fact, it's a a greater witness than any man before him. Look at verse 36. But I have a greater, I have greater witness than that of John for the works of the father hath, uh, which the father hath given me to finish the same works that I do bear witness of me that the father hath sent me. He's saying, Hey, I'm calling a better witness, a bigger, greater witness than even John the Baptist. It's since you didn't believe what he did, what he said. And Jesus said, my second witness is what I've done. That's what he's saying right there. Uh, He didn't do, uh, uh, here's the thing. Uh, He didn't do what he thought was best in his earthly ministry. He says, I did the works which my father gave me to do. Whatever God, the father, the plan that he gave, that's what I followed. And he says, the same works that I do bear witness. And see, John's gospel doesn't give us a whole lot of miracles. We don't get a whole lot in the gospel of John, but if you look at every miracle in the Bible, if you put Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John together, chronological order, every miracle from the beginning all the way to John chapter five, and really I go till John chapter six, uh, all the miracles you could see at this point when Jesus is saying this, he had already turned the water into wine at the wedding of Cana of Galilee. He healed the nobleman's son, remember from afar, uh, 
uh, in Capernaum. He, the drought of fishes when he called some of the disciples into the boat. Uh, he healed the man with the unclean spirit in the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And they were mad about that. He healed Peter's mother-in-law and all the sick of Capernaum that night. He cleansed the leper. He healed the paralytic that was lowered uh, in his bed through the roof by the floor. Uh, he healed the impotent man by the pool of Bethesda earlier in the chapter. He healed the man with the withered hand in the synagogue. He healed great multitudes. He healed the centurion servant. Remember, he said, I'm not worthy to come to you, but you say the word, my servant will be healed. He raised the widow of Nain's son from the dead. He healed the demoniac. He calmed the sea of Galilee, the storm, when they woke him up in the ship and asked him, uh, do you care that we not perish? And he just calmed the storm. He healed two demoniacs of the Gadarenes, healed the woman with the issue of blood on the way to raise uh, Jairus' daughter from the dead. And he healed two blind men and one possessed man. Then chapter 6, he feeds the 5,000. All of these things, Jesus is saying, hey, you don't believe John the Baptist witness of me? Why don't you believe what I have done? And Jesus is saying, hey, I, the testimony that John said was I'm the Lamb of God. Now look what I've done. Who else could perform all these miracles except be sent by God the Father? Jesus had the power over disease. He had the power over nature itself. He had the power of demons and he even had the power over death. All of these things prove, Jesus said, that he was sent by God and he had the power of God and he was God. But here's the problem. Jesus didn't fit their belief. They thought uh, the Messiah would lead a military revolt and overthrow Rome. And Jesus didn't fit that belief. So they didn't want to believe John the Baptist. And they had to ignore every one of those miracles. I don't know how they did it, but they were stuck in religion. So they didn't believe John the Baptist. They didn't believe his miracles. So he calls a third witness. Verse 37, God the Father. 37 says, and the father himself, which hath sent me, hath borne witness of me. Ye have neither uh, heard his voice at any time nor seen his shape. Now, this is a little strange right here. He would call a witness that you said that Jesus says you haven't heard him or seen him, but I'm going to call him as a witness. But everything Jesus did testified of God, uh, by God the Father. And one of the big ones is at the baptism of Jesus Christ. Luke 3.22 says, And the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son, and thee I am well pleased. And that's one of those moments you've got the entire Trinity right there. You've got God the Father, the voice from the heaven. You've got the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove. And you've got God the Son being baptized in the water water by John the Baptist. All these things come together and we see all of that. Uh, the Trinity right there in complete union. But here's the thing. There were Jews there, I believe, that day that saw it and heard all of it. But Jesus said, you've neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his shape. I believe it's because they ignored what they saw. They ignored what they heard and instead were continuing to believe their false belief. Jesus would tell Philip later, John 14, 9, he uh, that has seen me has seen the father, right? And then he tells him that the works that he does also testifies of God the father. And here's the thing. They were so stuck 
and their traditions, their rules and everything else, uh, that as long as they were following their own standards and rules, they felt like all was good. They felt like they were close to God. But Jesus said in verse 38, and ye have not, uh, ye have not his word abiding in you for whom he has sent. Ye believe not. You claim you're living the scriptures. You claim you're following the word of God. You're one of Moses' children and everything else. He says you're not even abiding in the scriptures you say you follow. And that word abide means to stay, to dwell, to continue in. And he said instead of continuing in the scriptures, you're continuing in your own traditions, your own oral law that you've made up. Uh, uh, and that's what's abiding in your heart, not the true word of God. Because he said, if the scriptures abided in your heart truly, you would see that I am God. Yeah. That's what he said. You would have seen that the scriptures point to me that I'm God, but you don't. They refuse to believe it. So they didn't believe the witness of John the Baptist. They didn't believe the witness of Jesus' works, his miracles, and what he did. They didn't believe the witness of God the Father. So he calls the last witness, Jesus, to the witness stand. Uh, and he says this in verse 39. Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. He said the scriptures, those same scriptures that they didn't have dwelling within, he said if you would just set aside your false belief, if you just set aside that religion that you're following and you diligently search the scriptures and he's talking about the Old Testament right there and you would really get into the Old Testament you would see the fourth and greatest testimony that Jesus is the son of God you know when I was studying uh, uh, that message down at Centerburg about the transfiguration of Jesus Christ what really blessed me is you think about that whole scene again it was another uh, setting there of God together uh, and, and there is Jesus Christ being glorified and God the Father's voice comes out and says this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased and Peter's retelling this story because he was there on that mountain when Jesus was transfigured then in 2 Peter as he telling the story 119 we have also a more sure word of prophecy and it blew my mind when God showed me this even though Peter was there Peter saw he was on the mountain he saw Moses and Elijah he saw Jesus there glorified he heard the voice of God the Father he saw all those things that we couldn't see uh, Jesus's glory shining brighter than the sun but Peter said even if you were there like I was even if if you were standing next to me and saw it all, we have a more sure word of prophecy. He's saying, hey, even if you were there, even if you were at the baptism of John and heard the voice and saw the dove, he said, hey, we've got a better testimony right here and it's in God's word. And I, I, I was thinking about that. What a blessing because we can't go back in time and see those things. But I'll tell you what, we can go back in time in God's word and as often as we want to, we can read it about it and, and try to imagine what it was like you know Paul warned Timothy first Timothy 3 1 that in the last days perilous times shall come and he said men would start uh, uh, they shall be lovers uh, of their own selves and then as he's talking about this deception he gets down to verse 16 
I'm sorry, 2 Timothy 3.16, he gets down to this. All scripture is given by inspiration and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God might may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And here's the thing. We could have been there, even if we were there watching Jesus teach and heal and do all of these things. Uh, we've got a better witness in the Bible. We can see it because here's the thing. Even if we were there, if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes we don't hear everything. Or sometimes we hear things we think we hear, but sometimes our ears, they're not perfect. Sometimes, you know, our eyes could be tricked. If we had a real good magician in front of us, he could do things with his hands and trick our eyes, couldn't he? And, and these things could happen. And really, if we were there, you know what else could happen? Our mind, as we, as time passes, we slowly forget things. Right. We start to details start to get a little fuzzy and we might, uh, you know, we might replace some things with things that aren't didn't really happen. But I'll tell you what, even if our even though our eyes and our ears and our mind would give way. So that's telling me uh, uh, we've got something that's pure and preserved to every generation. We've got something that it doesn't matter how much time passes. It's still accurate as the day it happened. I'm here to tell you that later on, even one of the gospel writers that pen something down by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, their mind uh, they could have forgotten exactly what happened. They could have went back to their own book that God blessed them to write and had a more sure word of prophecy right here. That's what Peter was saying. He was saying, hey, it's right here. That word never changes. It never dies. It never goes out of touch and it's never false. It's true. Everything we need to establish who Jesus Christ is, is right here. He called the fourth witness and it was the word of God. And he said, this is the one that shows that I am he, I am God. And I'll tell you what. I believed in Jesus Christ many years ago, trusted him for salvation. Why? Because someone told me the gospel story from this book right here. They didn't tell me their opinion. They gave me the gospel. But you know what's sad? Is the majority of the Jews, they rejected all four witnesses, right? They rejected John the Baptist, Jesus's works, God the Father, and the scriptures. They, they rejected all of those things, even though they all pointed to God. But I'm glad we've got God's word that clears up things that are unclear. It gets rid of deception. It casts a light on everything. And it tells us who Jesus really is. You know what? I don't want a Jesus that I've made up. I don't want a Jesus that's someone's opinion. I don't want a Jesus of some book that they've written. I want the real yeah. Jesus of scripture. Why? Because yeah. in the end, when every other book is gone, when every other opinion is gone, and in fact, even when this earth is gone, God's word will still be there. Yeah. It will. It is everlasting. And I'll tell you what, this yeah. is what I'm standing on. And I, I believe this. Although John, uh, John saw Jesus, and I believe just as clear as he saw Jesus, I'm going to see him one day. And I believe exactly what he saw and wrote down several thousand years ago, we're going to see one day. Right? I believe it. I believe every word of this is true. And I'm thankful for that. Jesus loved them. Even though they wanted to kill him a few verses earlier, they, they had that plan and they said, we've got to get rid of him. And Jesus in his love and his mercy said, let me give you four witnesses. What's sad is many of them rejected them, but I'm glad we've got them today. So we're going we're gonna to close tonight and we're going to open up the altar.